Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. Hey, just a heads up, I want to warn some of you parents that this Swipe Right series may not be suitable for all ages. Some content's going to be graphic in nature, and we're going to try to keep it as real as we can and kind of communicate at street level. So just use discretion with your kids, knowing that some of the subjects um, you may not want to expose your children to if they're really small. So thanks again for listening, and enjoy the message. Um, So here's what we're going to talk about for the next couple weeks. Um, Sex and romance. So this series is for anybody's having sex. Anybody that wants to have sex, um, anybody that cares about romance, um, and, and we're just going to look at, at a very practical level. I'm not going to sanitize this for um, typical church culture. If you've been around here, you kind of already know that. Um, here's who might not love this series. Um, if you if you kind of play the game of I don't know what I call you, like a serial dater, and like one weekend you're in med school, and then the next weekend you own a Fortune 500 company. And nobody knows your real name, and you don't know her name. Um, I, I don't know why I assume that's a guy, but like, um, you may not be in love with this series, all right? But here's what I hope, and I'm serious about this, is that, that regardless of where you are or what things have looked like in the past, that, that God would begin to maybe lead you in a different way and, and open up your eyes figuratively to the fact that his plan for sex and for romance is really, really good. And it's counterintuitive, but it's really, really good. So here's kind of the bottom line. Here's where I'm hoping we journey together over the next uh, couple weeks is that I want to help you regret-proof your marriage bed and your deathbed. Help you regret-proof your marriage bed and your deathbed. Now, here's the thing that I know that I just want to be upfront is there's a lot of scars associated with sex. There just are. Like, like a lot of us, if we look back to some of the stuff that we're carrying or some of the relational dysfunction, at some level, it connects back to, to sex, to romance, to relationships. And so what I want this series to be driven by is the offer of grace that Jesus extends to every single one of us, regardless of what's happening in the rearview mirror. But there is a little bit of a tension because there's, there's these kind of warning flares thrown up in scripture to go, listen, if you're kind of on the brink of something, on the edge of something, you're about to get into a relationship, maybe you're, you're single, maybe you're a teenager, uh, maybe you're about to go into a second marriage, there is some warning flares to go, hey, listen, th- there's a better way and God wants to keep you from some things and, and lead you into that better way. But, but there's also those of us have already gone down some paths that we wish we could rewind, man. God's grace is able to redeem and to restore anything. And there is a tension of, yeah, there's, there's still, there's some consequences when we ignore God's warnings, but, but his grace is still available. And so I just want to kind of set ourselves in that tension, which Jesus is really comfortable with over the next couple weeks. And, and I just want you to know this too. Um, a lot of you are, are watching or listening at a lot, of, a lot of different places is the church historically, at least at some level, has handled the idea of sex really, really badly. 
Um, we do a couple things. Number one, we're just silent on it, um, which that's not a good idea. Several years ago, I spoke at a camp for um, 15 and 16-year-olds, and this was, um, I didn't even plan to do this, which when I'm off the cuff, it's not always a good idea. And um, I started just halfway through the week, starting, you know, it, it tied in with something we were talking about. I just started talking about God's beautiful gift for, of sex and intimacy and, and all of those things. And you would think that I almost, this is no joke, almost got ran out of the camp. It was a very conservative camp um, because I was talking to 15 and 16-year-olds about sex. And so I've never been invited back to that camp, um, not surprisingly. But uh, so that's the first thing is we're just silent on it. And I just, I I said this last week, I I determined I was never going to get on a stage and answer questions that people were not asking. Because this is directly connected, whether you know it or not, to our view of God. And, And what's happened is we've remained silent in many cases out of, I don't know what, fear, or I really don't know what it is. We've remained silent. And what it does is it distorts the idea of sex and romance. It ends up distorting the idea of relationship. And in many cases, it distorts our view of God. This is deeply spiritual, and the church should be on the front lines of talking about it. And so that, that's why, so you, you cannot be silent. The other way I think that we've, the, the church has mishandled this is there's this idea of, yeah, you know, God's created sex, but it's bad, 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 bad. And then at a certain point under God's parameters, then it becomes good. And that doesn't work either. It's just good. God has created it. And so that idea of thinking creates a lot of unnecessary baggage for people. And then um, the third thing is a lot of times we take the idea of sex or sexual sin or whatever you want to call it, and we elevate it above everything else. And so if I can just be really real for a second, is in the church, we are so famous for ignoring the guy on a church board that's an idiot and treats his wife like crap, and then we elevate sexual sin and come down on those individuals. And I'm just telling you, that is not the gospel, that, that you will find that nowhere. And, and there is a, hey, this is God's plan, but there is grace, and there is redemption, and there is restoration. And, and yeah, there's sometimes a difference in severity of consequences, but there's no elevation elevation of sin anywhere in the scriptures. It's just Jesus and everybody else, and our sin manifests itself in different ways, right? So, so that's why we're going to talk about this for the next um, couple weeks. So here's the thing. So much has changed about sex and romance or how we handle it, even from 20 years ago. One of the big things, and it's not a surprise to you, that we'll talk about in this series is just um, the internet and the prevalence of internet porn. Like, porn is so accessible, and it's almost unavoidable. Um, The other thing is the ability to have a casual sexual encounter, it's easier than ever before. Like, it is easier than ever before to hit it and quit it and find something that's, you know, disconnected from romance and relationship because I just want to have sex. And it is so easy. You just swipe right. You can do that. Um, Here's the thing. They say that, I don't know where I got this, maybe USA Today, but they say that you check your phones 150 times a day. And the same phone that you, some of you are going to do it about 32 times while I'm talking over the next few minutes um, and pretend I'm on the app, um, <laughs> and you're not, but 150 times a day, you're checking your phone. And the same phone that you can access the app or your Bible app is the same phone that with a couple clicks you can access porn. Um, 36% of the internet is pornography. Um, at any one moment, one out of four um, clicks, people online is, is searching for internet porn. 1.7 million people at any point are, are streaming porn. And here's the other, oh, this is crazy. 
uh, one-third of 13 and 14-year-olds are heavy porn addicts. One-third of 13 and 14-year-old kids are porn addicts. Do you know when the average first um, kind of interaction with or introduction to porn is? you know what the average age is? Six years old. Six years old, according to USA Today. Six years old. Because they're like watching Mickey Roadhouse Racers or Roadster Racers, and somehow something pops up, or they click, and all of a sudden, there it is, you know, on accident. But six years old is the first introduction uh, to pornography. Like, that is so different. Like, 20 years ago, completely different deal for me. Um, and maybe I was different, but it was just, it was not nearly as accessible. So 16 years old was my first introduction to pornography. Like, I was working for my brother's um, company, owned a large maintenance company, and so in the summers I'd work for him, and I'd go out on a crew with people at like 15, 16 years old and um, do that for like minimum wage. And so I remember one day, I was meeting the guy for the first time, never seen him before. He was going to be the other crew guy. He's about two decades older than me. And I get into his truck, and as soon as I get in his truck as a 15, 16-year-old, there's porn just plastered all over the top of the truck, which is super awkward. <laughs> like, the first time I'm meeting this guy, like, what do you say? Hey, are you married? I mean, like what, like, what question do you ask? So it's like a to- totally different deal. Um, e- even 20 years ago, it's crazy. And now the uh, proliferation of, of apps and, you know, whether that's OkCupid okay or Hinge or Happen or Tinder, there's mil. I forget how many, but there's millions of swipes on those. Um, some of you are going to pretend like um, you don't know what I'm going to talk about in a second. Like, I cannot believe that's available. Um, but you do know there's a, a I guess um, on Tinder they've reached like a trillion swipes, and it's all about like it's just an app on your phone. Do I want to have sex with them? Do I want to hit it and quit it with them? Do I want to have an? Are they hot? You know, there's no obvious, there's no thought whatsoever of obviously relational trajectory. It's just do I want to have sex? Do I want to have some, I'm not really in right now, the season of my life. I'm, you know, whatever the story is, I'm 28. Um, I just want to have sex. I just want to have fun. I, I'm not really connecting it to romance or relationships. So, what, you know, would I do them? Would I have sex with them? And it's easy as swiping to the right. You, another USA Today article said that it's, um, it takes the same amount of time to get laid as it does to order an Uber. Just swipe right. It, so casual sex, some of you are so nervous right now. Um, I can just feel the tension in the room. Good news is I'm fine. So um, <laughs> you're so nervous. Um, but that, it, it's easier than ever to have a casual sexual encounter. Porn has changed the game, whether you're single, whether you're married, um, whether you've been married a couple times, it, it, it's absolutely changed the game. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this um, as real as possible. And here, here's what I would say. My way forward is not that you should disconnect from culture. That's where the church has gotten into trouble before. Culture at some level is, is morally neutral. We're a part of culture. Culture is where we live, when we live. We are called in scripture to engage culture. We, we are called to be a light in culture. We're, that's why you should, you know, I mean, you should you should support what's going on locally. If you're, you're a sports fan, you should support the local teams. You should immerse yourself in culture because culture is just culture. But we can't adopt the cultural mindset around sex and around romance. And basically what the cultural idea of sex and romance is, is that you can do whatever you want today. You can handle sex however you want. 
You can have sex as much as you want with as many people as you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. That's the tagline. You can do whatever you want in terms of romance and how you handle relationship. And the idea is that what you do today is not going to affect what happens tomorrow. And again, God, God, I want, I want grace to lead the way. God can redeem and restore anything but there's still consequences. And here's the reality is that whatever you're packing today, you're gonna lug tomorrow. Whatever you're packing today, well, whatever, spring break trip, clicking on whatever, deciding that I'm gonna swipe right again, you know, booking the, like whatever it is, whatever you're packing today, you're gonna lug tomorrow. You're going to lug it into another season. You're going to lug it into another relationship that says, I can do what I want, and then it's going to be all right. And here's, here's the myth behind it. The myth is this. It's the right person myth. If I just meet and marry the right person, then everything is going to be right. So I can do whatever I want now. I can do whatever I want now. I can handle this however I want now. And then it, like, once I meet the right person, then everything is going to be right. Or if you're married, it's as soon as they become the right person, it'll be right. And the reason we're having issues is because they're not right. And there's just this idea, single or married, of when I meet the right person, everything will be right. Here's the problem with that, is that generally the other right person that you're looking for they're doing the exact same thing. Well, I can do whatever I want. I can handle it however I want. And then as soon as I find the right person, it's going to be right. Now, let me dig down this and I'll kind of talk to singles for a second and then um, we'll move on. Do you know how in culture, do you know how we determine the right person in a lot of cases? Do you know how this word right here, what is it? Chemistry. Like we just have chemistry. We just, it's good. I'm so attracted to them. I'm so like, I mean, it's just, and then we get into relationship and we have the idea that it's so unique. It's so different. They're so different. It's so special. And it's like, we think we're different than everybody else. We think we're experiencing something that nobody else has experienced and it's good. And generally in culture, a lot of times we try out the sex thing. We try out the chemistry thing without knowing that that's kind of the catalyst for the beginning of the relationship. And so we know they're the right person because there is just so much chemistry. We're just feeling it. We're so attracted to them. We are so in love with them. And then what happens is you get into a committed relationship if you haven't given up on that altogether. You get into a marriage relationship if you haven't given up on that altogether. And all of a sudden you get into that relationship and you know a lot about sex, you think but they know very little about relationship. And all of a sudden, like things are so easy at the beginning, like of course we're gonna be kind to each other, of course we're gonna be patient, of course we're gonna be empathetic, I'm so in love with this person. But then down the road a little bit, all of a sudden there starts to be bumps in the road and they start to have problems. And they don't have sex problems. They have relationship problems. Like all of a sudden what was so easy and they didn't really know what was fueling what starts to become really difficult. And now these people that were so attracted, so in love, so consumed with each other, like they're having trouble even being kind to one another, having trouble even moving in the other person's direction, having a lot of trouble being patient. And all of a sudden there's a bunch of relationship conflict and friction in there. And then over a little bit of time, guess what begins to suffer? Guess what begins to erode? Their sex life, the whole idea of romance. All of a sudden, there's this thing where it's just, it's what has carried them for a while. It starts to lose its luster a little bit. And then guys, I'm a guy, so I can say, are kind of naive. They're just like, well, we just need to have more sex. 
The problem is because now we're not feeling it anymore. There's not that same level of whatever anymore. We just need to have more sex. We need to try some stuff. We need to find some new techniques. We need to find some new positions. We need to try some new places. I just read an article in Men's Health. But like we need to introduce some stuff because the, the sex is just, the romance is just not what it, it used to be. And, and here's the thing. The thing that held them together the thing that was so much at the forefront, again, many times without even realizing, the, the thing that, that at some level is a catalyst, there, the sex, the chemistry, all of a sudden that very thing begins to erode. And the reason is not because something has happened in terms of sex, but because something has happened in relationship and you had the wrong thing driving. You had the wrong thing kind of dictating what you were experiencing in that relationship. And then what happens is someone in the relationship gets the really bright idea, I know what we should do. I know what would fix this. We should have a baby. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. We should bring a baby into this dysfunctional relationship, and that's going to fix everything. I think it's going it's to be something new, something fresh. We're going to feel it again. It's going to bring us together again. And then you've got the guy in the relationship going, that's going to require more sex. I think we should have another baby. And so they're all, they're all on board. Now, here's the thing I know. Whether you're, if you're online, you're probably glad you're online right now, is that there are married people in this moment who won't even look at each other. Like, ah, how, how the heck did he know? Because there's some things in your story that look very similar to that. And here's why. As special as you think it is, as unique as it was in the beginning, as much as you were so in love and so attracted to each other, it just seems so special. It's not. It is a well-worn, predictable path. And God's going, I've got something better for you, and you, you just need to trust me. And, and unfortunately, actually, this one other thing, and this is like, if guys are not jerks, this will confirm all the suspicions. You know in one of the two times that the guys are most likely to have an affair when their significant other or their spouse is pregnant because they think, ah, I've got needs. And by the way, this is just, this is side note, this is for free. Sex is not an actual need. Now I'm all about it. It's why I'm doing this series. We're going to unpack it. Food is a need. Shelter is a need. The reality is, and I know this is hard for me to believe as well, but you could go your whole life and not have sex and you would not die, Right? <laughs> So all of a sudden they're in relationship and they're like, okay, something's just happened. It's dissipated. The baby didn't work. It's, it's eroding. And then all of a sudden what happens is they draw the conclusion of, well, it must be because they're not the right person. And then they're in the office and they look up, oh, I think that's the right person. Or they get a direct message on Instagram like, oh, I think you know, 20 years, I think she's the right, I think he's the right person. They get a message on Facebook and all of a sudden there's this idea that because the sex and the romance is no longer there, it's non-existent and they're just struggling to find a way forward and none of the tweaks and techniques will work that it just, it must not be the right person. So then they go out to try to find the right person somewhere along the way. So here's the thing. God can restore what has been distorted. And if you don't get anything else today or in this series, I just want you to know, and you may not believe it yet, God has a better way. 
And for some of you, it is a flare to go, listen, before you move down that road, because it is so counterintuitive, you just need to know there's a better way and it's good. And if you've already gone down that road, really our marching orders moving forward, because so many of us have scars, it's just this, from now on, from now on, I'm not gonna buy into the lie that Satan's gonna give me that because I've messed up, because I've got some baggage, because I'm lugging some things that I should just give up and I should forget about it. No, no, no. God has a good plan for your life from this point forward. And so the marching orders are from now on, God, I wanna invite your grace. I wanna invite your mercy in and I want you to fix what has been broken and I want you to clarify what has been distorted and I'm gonna trust that your way is better. I'm going to trust that you have something for me. So here's the thing. As you look at the scripture, there's not a lot that's said about um, sex and romance in terms of like how to move yourself to the place where, okay, how how do I enhance this? But, But there's a ton about relationship. Before we get there, though, here's two things I just want to give you real quick, all right? And if you haven't been nervous um, already, um, you might get more nervous in just a second. God wants you to have amazing sex. Can we, can we just say that? Like, yeah, I think, we don't really even say amen around here, but if there's any point that I've ever made that's worthy of it, it's that. Like, God desires that. And the, by the church being silent on this issue, again, it distorts. It distorts a view of God. It distorts a view of relationship. It distorts a view of intimacy. And, and I know that, that at some level we know this intellectually, but it just needs to be said out loud. God desires that you have amazing sex. God created it. It wasn't just for procreation, which I think the kind of the underlying thing is that's what the church has communicated. God could have done anything he wanted for procreation. Hmm, sneeze, procreates the earth, right? <laughs> Anything you wanted. God, just get this through your head. And I know it's intellectual. God created this, guys. God designed this. God put Adam in the garden. You might have trouble with Genesis, but in the Genesis account, God creates Adam in the garden, gives him a nap, which was amazing, then wakes Adam up from a nap. And and what, what does Adam find? One naked woman in the garden. And God knew what was going to go down. God knew what was going to happen. God's going, this is my beautiful gift for intimacy and relationship. This is something that's not just for procreation. It's for pleasure. This is good. It actually, this is going to be weird for some of you. It glorifies Christ. God created it that way. I feel like we have this underlying idea that in the Garden of Eden, Satan was off in the corner creating a penis out of clay to just throw it into the mix to jack up humanity. And he, he didn't. God created, and it's for pleasure. Women were created as multi-orgasmic beings, allegedly. It, it is, just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. God, God desires this. And, and I just, I, I want that to be out in front, that it is a good and beautiful gift from your creator, it is to be enjoyed. It is, it is what God has given us for pleasure. But here's the thing. God didn't just create it for pleasure. It's not just pleasurable. The other thing is this that I just want to make really clear. It's powerful. It is so 
powerful. That's why it has such a tremendous impact when used in the right context in the intimacy of the relationships that God has designed. But it's incredibly powerful. But it's so easy to get the idea maybe from Scripture, or a lot of us, it's secondhand. It's not even from Scripture because we have this idea that God is just trying to suppress all of our desires. But we have this idea that that somehow God's trying to to take something from us. And and we look at at God's view for sex, and we're like, whatever. It's 2018, man, what, whatever. And here's the thing. There's so many other things we don't do that with. You go buy a chainsaw at Home Depot, you don't read the instruction manual and go, gosh, Home Depot hates me, <laughs> right? They're trying to steal, no, no, no. They're trying to keep you from freaking chopping your arm off, right? And, and the same is true in the scripture. God's going, listen, I, I created you. I know, I manufactured, I designed this. And the cross screams, come on, guys, the cross screams, I'm for you. I'm for your pleasure. I'm for your good. Ultimate fulfillment is found in following me and following my ways. So I didn't come to suppress, I came to transform. So I just want you to use this as directed. I want you to use this as I've designed it. And then the last thing, and and I gotta move on, is just this. And some of you are not gonna believe this yet, and I think I'll come back to this is that God's designed it in such a way that exclusivity is the thing that fuels sexual intimacy. Exclusivity fuels sexual intimacy. God created it. And again, it's counterintuitive. The human race by ourselves, that's really not the conclusion that we would come to, but God created it that way. I mean, studies even show if there is not a history of, of deep porn use or sex before the covenant of marriage, there's, uh, the, the chance of orgasm is so much higher and the sex in marriage is seen as so much more satisfying because God created it. And God can redeem and restore and put back together anything, but his way is good, so as you come to the scripture, there's, there's not a ton that's said about, well, how do I ha- enhance my sex life? But there is a ton that's said about romance and about relationship because whether you've discovered it yet or not, that is the thing that fuels sexual intimacy. Now, one more point. I know I said I was gonna go on, but I, I just wanna make this really, really clear if you're online or in the house. You should work on sex. You should work on it. I think that's the other thing that's been lost in the church. You should work on it. If, if there's some things that have been done to you, some things that you're, you're, you're carrying around, whether it's counseling or whatever, you should do the best that you can to take steps to try to move toward wholeness and healing. If you're in a marriage relationship and maybe you grew up in an environment in the church where they didn't handle this well, and now you're carrying shame and you're carrying guilt, and there is a lack of freedom for no reason whatsoever, and you don't even realize God has created this to be enjoyed for your pleasure in marriage. And so you need to, you need to take some steps, whether it's counseling, or I was gonna say a book, I don't think a book's really gonna help you, but you need to move into relationships, you need to get around other people that can help you move to a place to get freed up. You owe that to your spouse. Sex is a beautiful, and it's a big part of marriage. If you haven't given up on marriage altogether, But here's the thing, and this is maybe the bottom line, I'm gonna read a couple verses, is your sex drive is not the problem. Your sex drive, I'm gonna say this 100 times, is a beautiful gift of God, but you cannot let sex drive. You cannot let sex drive. And whatever you are packing today, God can forgive, God can redeem, God can restore, but God just wants to keep you from some stuff. Whatever you're packing today, you're gonna love tomorrow. And so I'm telling you, relationship is what fuels sexual intimacy. And here's the bottom line, it does not happen by accident. So Paul comes along. 
and he writes these couple verses that you potentially have heard or they were at your wedding and it was a blur, so you don't even remember part of that. And oftentimes they're not explained very, very well, but, but believe it or not, this is the way forward, talking about sex and talking about romance. Paul, Paul writes this, that wherever you're at right now, you're single, you're married, you're married again, you're about to not be married again, whatever your story looks like, here's what Paul says, that your love, that love, the, the romance and relationship that we're talking about is patient. And this does not just show up in a relationship. This is, I'm going to give the other person more time and more space and more margin than maybe I even intended to give them. Whatever they're working through right now, whatever they're grappling with, whatever that thing is, I'm going to give them more time and I'm going to give them more space and I'm going to give them more margin than I even planned. And can I just tell you, that doesn't just show up in relationship. And it's easy to think, well, we're so attracted. It's so amazing. I so love them. What is happening is so special. I'm not going to need to work on being patient. They're the right one. And then you get into a marriage relationship, and all of a sudden, marriage exposes you. And so Paul says, love is patient. And then he says this, love is kind. Literally translated, love is considerate. That that you are in a relationship with whoever that other person is. You are to do everything that you can to be considerate of how they feel. Even if you don't understand how they feel, even if you don't think how they feel is legitimate, how they feel is how they feel. That that love, the kind of love that Paul's talking about, it's kind, it's considerate. It moves in the direction of other people to go, listen, I, I want to be empathetic to what you feel. And all of a sudden you have people in relationship and in marriage where they didn't work on any of that stuff and they just thought it was gonna work out, it was gonna be good because it was so special and they were so attracted to one another. And now the intimacy is almost gone. Paul says, love is considerate, and it does not, next part of the verse, it does not envy. In fact, the opposite. Love always elevates the other person in the relationship. See, our our default mode in relationship is I want to get mine. I want to get mine. I want to get mine. I want to get what I deserve. And and it doesn't seem like putting somebody else in front is going to be the means to experiencing great relationship. But Paul says, love does not envy. Love elevates the other person in a relationship. And here's what I know for a lot of you. This right here is so powerful that this is the thing that split up a lot of the marriages that maybe you grew up in. Because envy says... Because I don't feel good about me, I'm not going to let you feel good about you. And so it's constantly uh, me, 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 you. Me, 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 you. Constantly one-upping, constantly because I don't feel okay, I'm not going to let you feel okay. And so this has the power to destroy everything. You're like, what does this have to do with sex and romance? It has everything to do with sex and romance. And can we just say, this is what we said last week, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think a lot of times your heavenly father is looking at you in relationships going, why are you trying to get from them what you already have in me? You are loved unconditionally. 
You are secure in a relationship with me. You are somebody because of what Christ has done for you. And come on, your, your spouse may be amazing. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend may be amazing. They were not designed to be your God. And relationships work best when you recognize, I cannot find love, acceptance, worth, or this feeling of I'm somebody from them. That's already been given to me by my heavenly father. And when you let God be God and you just let your spouse be your spouse, that's where relationships can move forward. Like my wife is amazing. She is just a girl. She, she cannot supply those things that have already been given to me, my heavenly father. And when I try to get them from her, I literally will crush her under the weight of those expectations. And Paul says, love doesn't envy. And then he, he goes on and it does not boast and it is not proud. And again, you're like, well, I thought we were talking about sex and romance. This seems really lame. And again, here's what I would ask you. How would your childhood have been different if there would have been more of this? How would things have been different if there would have been more in this? Well, let me ask you another question. How would your relationship right now, right where you are, how would that be different if all of the sudden all of this showed up in that relationship? You know what I can almost guarantee you? Your sex would be a lot better. Your romance would change almost overnight if this somehow showed up overnight. And it doesn't just happen. And people get into the relationship thinking, no, I don't, it's just gonna be good. We're just so attractive. We're so right for one another. They're the right person. And all of a sudden they get down the road a little bit and they think they have sex problems. They think they have romance problems. They have relationship problems that have eroded the romance. It's taken the sex life right out from under them. And so Paul says it doesn't boast and it's not proud and it's not, it's not rude. Literally translated, it doesn't dishonor the other person. Whether you're a married person, whether you're a single person, whether you hope to be a married person or in a relationship someday, that it doesn't dishonor. Can I just say this to those of you who are single but really, it's not even singles. It's those of you who are about to book something. They're about to, on that business trip, or like whatever it is. Love never dishonors. If you're specifically a follower of Jesus, because if you're not, I have no right to, to talk to you about any of this. But if you're a follower of Jesus, here's, here's what is true, that you, you shouldn't show up as a story in somebody else's counseling session down the road. Love never dishonors. And can I just tell some of you who are playing the game, a lot of you who are listening via radio, is that what serves you well now will erode what you value most later. And so love, it never dishonors. And can I just say this? It's why we need to work on our ability to be able to honor the other person. We need to be able to honor her. We need to practice honoring him. And it's not even because they're honorable. See, this is where we need a greater ethic. We need a greater North Star. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is because of God's honor of me and because I want to honor God because there is something higher. There's a higher purpose. There's a bigger story. There's a larger canvas. And because God has honored me, through Christ and because I want to honor him with my life. I want to honor them whether they are honorable or not because it's not based on them. It's based on my Savior and my Heavenly Father and the radical, scandalous, no strings attached love that he is showing to me every single day even when I'm not worthy of it. So I want to do that toward you. So I, I want to work on treating you with honor and it doesn't just happen. And people think and thought it would just happen and it didn't. 
and now there's no sexual intimacy in their relationship. And then lastly, Paul says, and it is not self-seeking. So here's my question. I don't even need to explain that. Here's my question. Does any of that come naturally? Does any of that come naturally? The last service, they kind of loosened up as we went. I think you became more tense um, as we went. I'm not really sure why, but you can answer right now. Does any of that come naturally, what Paul just described? Do you know what comes naturally? I am so attracted to you. I cannot wait to rip your clothes off. I cannot wait till you rip my clothes off. We have something so special and so unique and I can't wait. And I just, like that, that is natural. And can I just tell you, that takes absolutely no work. Let, let, me, let me just add this onto that. You can feel that feeling with thousands and thousands of people. You know that? You can feel that with thousands of people. And so some of us are living in this place where we think, well, I can just ignore and, and do whatever as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And, and I can treat romance however I want. And I can treat sex however I want. And, and I, can, I can do kind of whatever I want. And then as soon as, as they become the right person in marriage, or as soon as I find or meet the right person, then it's just going to be right. It's just going to be okay. It's just, all this stuff's going to happen because we're in love, right? And all of a sudden, they're, they're at a place where it's distorted their view of sex and romance and distorted their view or idea that it can even work in marriage. And it has nothing to do with sex and romance in marriage. It has everything to do with relationship and everything to do with God's design for it. And a bunch of us, because there's been confusion along the way, we've walked away. And we've, been, we've given up on what is a good and beautiful gift and can I just say this? And I don't know if this is too much information or not, but it probably won't be the first time in this series. But been, I've been married for eight years. We, we're really, we try to be upfront about um, like just their, their struggle. And I annoy my wife a lot. And she's amazing because she's in the room right now. She is absolutely amazing. And, <laughs> but we try to be honest with the fact that like, yeah, it's like there's stuff. We, we had a very difficult first year of marriage, but I'm telling you, it is good. We've been married for eight years, and this is the too much information part, but the sex is so much better now than it was in year one. It, we have fun being married. God's design, and I know there's stuff that get in the way, and I know you may be in a situation right now where it really is, a, okay, God, you've got to do some kind of miracle, but I'm just telling you, when you get two people to embrace that, God's design for marriage is good, and it's right, and it is fun, and it is full of pleasure. It's hard, but it's good. I love this USA Today article where they said this. They said, there's a reason that fairy tales always end in marriage. It's because nobody wants to see what comes after. It's too grim. <laughs> Meeting the right person, working through cosmic misunderstanding and, and overcoming family disapproval to get to the altar, those are stories that are worth telling. But plodding on year after year after year with the same old soul, Yonsville. Because the conclusion is, well, it just doesn't work. And then here's what I love. This is so hilarious to me. Later on in the very same article, here's what, this is the, the Time article. Here's what they said. But studies also suggest that married people have better sex, better health and wealth, and will probably die happier than singles with a lower likelihood of strokes and heart disease and depression. Married people also respond better to stress and even heal more quickly. But it is Yonsville. 
So listen, the starting place, the starting place is, yeah, you should work on sex. If you're in marriage, you should pursue that. You should enjoy it. You should do whatever you've got to do. You do your best to to see God heal you and, and move you away from some of the baggage from your past. So you should pursue that and you should enjoy it. But listen, this is the way forward in terms of sexual intimacy and romance. It is, okay, God, I want what Paul just wrote about to be embodied in me, and I want it to flow through me. I think part of it is we come back to every day, we said this last week, and you need to remind yourself, I can't tell you this enough if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to remind yourself of the love and the grace and the mercy of God and what he has bestowed on your life. And it is not just heaven when you die, it is all of the righteousness of Christ, his perfect life was credited to your account where you are somebody. You are worth Jesus. Christ is pleased with you. You are gonna stand face to face with him if you place your faith and trust in him. And it's gonna be good, not on the basis of we say all the time of what you've done, but what he's done for you by going to the cross dying for all of your sin, past, present, and future, walking out of a grave alive and inviting you into a relationship where you can have forgiveness of sin and you can become a son and a daughter of God. And it is only by grace, meaning undeserved, through faith. That is the only way to God. That is the only way to Jesus. And in that, it doesn't stop there because you have a life to live before you die and breathe your last breath. And so he says, listen, I have a plan and a way for you in terms of your time and your money and your finances and your sex life. And it is better than what you are gonna pursue on your own. And as you pursue it, it actually brings glory to your savior who says, this is how I've designed life to work. And as you follow in my way, it's not gonna be pain-free or problem-free, but his way is better. To quote somebody I know is, Jesus makes you better at life and Jesus will make life better. And so, Jesus, I just wanna follow you. I, I want to do everything I can to pursue your plan for my life, for my sex life, for romance. This is gonna sound crazy, but for some of you, it's... One of the best decisions you can make for your sex life is to go out under the pavilion there, find the community group's tent, and get into a community group with your spouse and begin to do life with other people because you are not going to do this on your own. That's a promise. And you need to begin to get around people who can just remind you of the good news of the gospel that's going to free you up in your relationship, and it may free up the other person in your relationship who are being killed under the weight of your expectations. So God, I want this to be present in me. So at the end of this whole passage, this verses I just read by Paul, it ends in a really, it seems kind of unusual way. Here's what Paul says, verse 11 at the end of this. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, or really when I became an adult, I put away childish ways. So here's a question. How does every single childhood fairy tale end? Well, when you just find the right person, when you just meet the right person, you're going to live happily ever after. It's a fairy tale. And I love you. I love you. Some of you are treating sex and romance and relationships like a child. And God's going, I got a better way for you. And so if you're single, 
Here's, here's my advice for you. And I know there's stuff coming at you at every angle. Some of you are like knee deep in porn addictions. I, I understand that. There's a huge percentage that are attending all of our services. I get that. You just need to know there's freedom here. To, you, need to, you need to find somebody. You need to find a group. Maybe you're at the point where you need to find counseling. You just need to get free. And God, God can lead you out of that. For others of you as a single person, you need to begin to change the question. Chemistry, your sex life, long-term, that's not gonna, gonna be what drives your relationship. It really is around this question right here if you're single, whether you're single again, whether you're single for the first time. And the question is just this, am I becoming the right person? Am I, well, if they didn't, no, shh, shut up. We're not talking about them. Am I, are you, am I becoming the right person? And I would suggest that you work on that before you work on sex. That you work on that before you find some new techniques in terms of spicing up the romance in your life. Am I becoming the right person? If you're a married individual and, and you're maybe in a tough place right now and it's causing you to move to a place to, and, and this is outside of like abuse or or unfaithfulness, so that, that's kind of another category. But if you're in the place where the romance is just kind of dissipating, the sex life is just not where it used to be, and you're starting to believe the cultural lie of, well, that's because maybe they're not the right person. Can I just say this to you? If you're married, here's how you know that you're married to the right person. You're married to them. God, in his sovereignty, he knew. And it doesn't mean it's not gonna be difficult at times. But, but God can redeem and restore anything. And so your question is, regardless of him, regardless of her, I know, I can't even imagine how discouraging it might be for some of you in the, in the place that you are right now. But this is the question. It's not the question for the next right person. It's the question right now. Am I becoming the right person? If maybe you're at a place right now where now you're in kind of grandfather mode, you're in grandma mode, you need to pray for your grandkids. You need to be available to your, your grandkids. You, you need to pour into the next generation. So as we conclude, here's all I want you to know. Your sex drive is not the problem. I'm gonna say this a hundred times. Your sex drive is a good and beautiful gift from God. But you cannot let sex drive. And, and it is relationship. It is what God has laid out that says this, this is what happens in exclusive relationship that fuels something beyond what you can even imagine. It happens as you begin to work on relationship that all of a sudden it starts to impact and fuel sexual intimacy and fuel romance. So the question I wanna leave you with as we start this couple weeks series is just this. Are you, am I, are you becoming the right person? And the step forward is just this. We, we don't think of, of faith or trust in the areas of things like our sex life, but it is an issue of trust. The same God that did what I needed before I knew I even needed it at the cross is the same God that's working right now in my life, in my relationships. And so God, maybe this is your declaration, God, I wanna trust you. And I've been so perverted and inundated with cultural majority thinking that it's hard to see around that. And in fact, your, your ways are, they're so upside down. But I'm just gonna trust you. I'm just gonna believe you. And I wanna take the next step. And that next step may be getting into a group or just rehearsing what's true over me. But God, I wanna begin to become the right person, the person you've created me to be. So you guys just bow your heads, close your eyes all over the house. And Jesus, I just want to invite you in to do what 
what you want to do and need to do in each and every heart. And I don't know what that looks like. I know the stories are all over the place. But God, I just pray more than anything else that your grace, meaning it's just your undeserved favor, it has never been more present than it is in this moment right here. And so with your grace, God, speak into maybe even some of the the stuff that we packed that we're now lugging. God, even in this moment, give us hope that you're with us. And there may still be some consequences, but you can unwind some of that stuff. You can restore some of that stuff. You You can do what we don't even think possible in that relationship. And God, help us even in this moment to know your love and the desire that anything you give to us in any area of our life, it's for our good. I pray for those of us who who are maybe kind of on the precipice of something, we're maybe on the, the verge of something, that this maybe at some level would be a warning flare for us, that you can forgive, you can restore, but, but you'd also love to just keep us from altogether as a testimony and a, as a witness of your grace and your glory. And so God, do your thing in each and every heart. And even over this next week, I, again, I pray that you would do what we think, maybe in some circumstances in our, our humanity, we think is impossible that you'd bring some relationships back together, that you would, you'd restore some things. You'd help some of us to set down baggage that we shouldn't even be carrying. And I just pray all of this in the beautiful, gift-giving name of Jesus. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.